0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Kalstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, this is the day the Lord has what? And we're gonna what? And what else? Amen. Glory to God. This is the day the Lord has made. I will. The psalmist said, I will. How many of you know you get a choice in this matter? I will rejoice. And be glad in it. You know, sometimes, you know, if you're not careful, you can look at what's going on in your life and say, I don't think I want to. Well, for all the liars, we'll have a prayer line here later on. Sure, we all have that. But no, praise God, come sunshine or rain, I will rejoice. And be glad in it. Praise God. That's the great thing about this life. You know, if something bad's going on in your life, thank God it's temporal and subject to change. In other words, it can get better. Glory to God. So we can rejoice in His goodness and mercy. Aren't you glad to be able to come together corporately with a body of believers and worship the King? Hallelujah. Thank God for the community of faith where we can unite our hearts and our lives together. Glory to God. It's a privilege. It is an honor. And it's something that is sacred. Jesus gave birth to the church. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Did you know the victory's already been won? I tell you, it's... And and I... I, You know, some people go, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, 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 no. What you don't realize is that this, the outcome is already a foregone conclusion, and you have the good fortune to be on the winning side. Amen. Amen. I mean, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what it is, whatever you may be handed, whatever you may be dealing with, whatever losses or failures or any of the things that we happen to experience in this temporal life, we win. You say, well, that doesn't seem like much winning to me. Wait till you get to heaven. Because whatever it is that went on in this temporal life will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Now, the wonderful thing about all of this is that when Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of the world and was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, he gave us this Thing where I, I, I don't really know what to call it, but praise God, you can have eternal life and the blessing of heaven, it's like on credit while you're here. And the way that you and I have the privilege of being able to, to experience that within our lives is through a thing called faith. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for the word of faith. Praise God. Faith will change your world. It did mine. It did many of the rest of you. I mean, your lives were a wreck, a mess. I mean, some worse than others. But nevertheless, praise God, sin takes a toll. And Jesus, our Redeemer, he came and gave his life so that in our generation you could live and have his life. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. I tell you, you ought to lift your hand one time toward heaven. Just thank him right now. Praise God, Father, we love you today. We're grateful for what you've done. You've delivered us. You've redeemed us. Father, you've set the captive free. Praise God, you gave your life so that we could have life. And Father, for that we rejoice. For that we are thankful. Teach us your ways, Father, so that we can enjoy what it is that you have provided for us. Father, I thank you today that as we look into the perfect law of liberty, that it will, in fact, set the captives free. Glory to God. And that people, Father God, will realize anew and afresh those things which you have provided for us. And, Father God, I thank you for helping us to walk in the light of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Well, did you all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles together today to the book of 1 Corinthians Chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, glory to God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, now as most of you know, because you probably walked by the table there, today we're having communion. And um, I want to share some things that go along with that um supper that Jesus instituted and um so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as we kind of go into this and uh and uh you'll be blessed praise God praise God thank you Lord notice with me if you would in uh 1 Corinthians chapter 5 the last part of verse 7 there's a lot we could get into if we if we had the time and things with regard to what's in front of that and after it. But I want to just extract this one uh, sentence uh, for the sake of this morning's message. Notice here, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, the last part of it. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now, you know, of course, this is tied to the Passover of the Hebrew uh, uh, people. And the Jewish people, something that Moses instituted, well, actually God instituted through Moses, when they came out of the land of Egypt, and they were to uh, follow the strict instructions of its preparation, and the blood was app- applied to the doorpost and the lintel of each believer's heart. You know, it's interesting, because in that play, all the plagues of Egypt, do you know that none of them touched the Hebrew people? All of it fell upon the Egyptians. You say, well, how, so why is that important? Because I believe we're living in a day, praise God, that I'm glad to be under the canopy and the umbrella of the kingdom of God. So that, praise God, thank you, Lord Jesus, that, you know, we can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And in his wings shall we be covered. And in him we can trust. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, anyway, so in Paul's writing here, he makes reference to Christ being our Passover lamb, which was sacrificed for us. So this morning I want to share with you, um, as best I know how sometimes, you know, words really, uh, we have no words. But I want to talk to you about the goodness and the kindness of God. And how good he is. Everybody say it together. God is a good God. God God. He is so very, very, very good. Now, of course, a lot of people do not have or even maybe believe that. But he is so good. He's good to you. There are things that God has done for you that you don't even have a clue about yet. huh? That's why we're gathered here today. You know, uh, I know this sounds strange, but um, this might be Julia's job. The house lights, can you turn them up? A little more. A little more in the house. Is that it? That's 100%? I want to see your beady little eyes, and I don't, want you, I don't want you going to sleep on me. You know, we get all this mood set and everything like this, you know. Now, well, anyway. Yeah. Where was I? I want to talk to you about the goodness and the kindness. Everybody say kindness. kindness. He was so kind. The love of God, the Bible says, goes beyond our ability to comprehend it. The Bible says that in the ages to come, He's going to show us His kindness. I mean, you and I, like I said, in a natural kind of sense, can't comprehend the kindness of our God, your God, towards you. Now, you know, the world's filled with a lot of hate and anger and all kinds of things, but it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change what God has done. It does not change the truth of who he is and what he's done. God is the same. He said, I am the Lord. I don't ever change. You can thank God for that. Amen. So he's so good. And I want to talk to you about the absolute amazing grace that you, if you're a believer, you know, has experienced and the amazing grace that God has extended towards all of mankind. You know, there's such a host of humanity that know nothing about the grace that has been extended to them as yet. That's why God, you know, instituted and gave mandate and commission to the church for you and I to go tell them of this amazing, amazing grace. How many of you experienced the amazing grace of God in salvation? I mean to tell you, when you look back to that time, and you recognize what it is that he has done, that only he could do. You know, the, the, I mean, the reality is, is you and I didn't do nothing. All we did was decide to accept what we heard and receive what he provided. We didn't have anything to do with it. And it's all because he so loved us. The Bible describes the absolute helplessness and lost condition of mankind. And when you think about it, you know, we don't, we don't really give much thought to this, but when you think about how pitiful the depravity of man is, when we see what people do, well, how they behave, what they say, the things that, you know, you just ask yourself, I mean, it, it's so pitiful that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Are you listening to me? I mean, what you recognize, what we see, you know, with our eyes, what it is that we have to deal with, it's because of the sinful, lost, depraved conditions of men. That's where we once were. And thank God Jesus in his love and his grace, decided to come down to this earthborn existence and give his life as a ransom for us so that you and I could receive everlasting life and be born of the Spirit of God. Glory to God forevermore. You got to give him a shout. Just praise God because of what it is he's done. Hallelujah. Because he came. I said Jesus came. He didn't have to, but he was willing and he came. Hallelujah. Thank God. He opened the door for us to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be delivered, to be set free from the penalties of sin. Did you know that there is a penalty that is associated and that comes with sin? You say, what's sin? Sin's disobedience to God no matter what. You know, there isn't little sins and big sins, there's just sin when we disobey God. And you know, you see a lot of things going on in people's lives, you know, and and just so arrogant, so disobedient, so unthankful, so lawless, so corrupt, so however you want to describe it. But I want to tell you this morning that not one of them will stand blameless before God unless... They repent and call on the name of the Lord. And here's the thing. They will be judged. And so much of the time in in man's, and this is, again, such a pitiful thing. When you think about men in their sinfulness, in their arrogance, they cannot see what it is that is coming their way. Because I'll tell you, judgment is coming. That's why you and I need to thank God. And we need to rejoice, and we need to humbly live before our God, because what he did. Are you listening to me? He opened the door to forgive, to redeem, to deliver, to set us free By his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus literally changed everything for you and I so that we could have his very life. So that's why when we sing, you know, and we rejoice, and we thank God for all that he has done. Let it never be said of us that we, it becomes commonplace or that it becomes somehow some chore or challenge for us to be able to honor and to lift up the name that is above every name. Because I tell you, throughout eternity, we are going to be honoring the king for what it is that he did over 2,000 years ago. Glory to God. So we might as well, you know, figure it out now and get used to it. And do it a lot, because praise God, he's worthy of our praise. Glory to God. Notice in this scripture here, again, we read, For even Christ, our Passover, is sanct- uh, sa- uh, sacrificed for us. You know, here's the thing you need to understand, and, and I know we hear it all the time, but, but really think about what it is I'm going to say to you right now. I'm going to tell you that Jesus willingly took our place and gave us his life. Let me say that to you again. He willingly took our place and gave us his life. You know, when you think about it, you know, um, in the natural, when there's something that we, we really need but we have no way of obtaining it, And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, someone does it for you. Have any of you ever had some type of an experience like that? I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, life and the responsibilities of it are brought to bear upon us in in a pretty powerful kind of way and can be almost stifling in terms of the need that we have in our lives. And yet we have nothing that we can... You know, satisfy the need with, and then all of a sudden, somebody else or something else takes care of it. And I think that we can probably all think about. It. Now, this is kind of a a, a light uh, um, example of that. But you know, I remember when my wife and I first got started in ministry, uh, we didn't have anything. Uh, we had a kid sitting over there, had to take care of him. And we had a house, a farmhouse that, that we had, our, actually her father had helped us uh, to get into. But we didn't have nothing. We had a, we had a, a, a small church, uh, maybe 50, 60 people. And, um, and um, um, I was, to begin with, working two jobs. You know, uh, guess what? If you have to work a little extra, it won't kill you. Okay, but I was working two jobs, and and we had needs in our lives just like all of us do. And all of a sudden, I get this phone call out of the blue, and it's one of the elevators um, there locally. And they they called me up, and they said, "Uh, uh, is this Mike Kelscher? I said, yeah, sure. He says, well, we've got a check here for you. And you know, right away, that'll put a smile on your face. (laughs) You know, and I said, you do. They said, yep, somebody brought a wagon load of corn in here, sold it, and told us that we need to make the check out to you, call you, and you come and get it. I said, I believe I will. (laughs) Amen. Now, why do I use the example? Because, again, you know, here we are, just this young couple, you know, trying to get started, and, and we're short. You know, how many of you know what short is? And all of a sudden, out of the blue, someone for no reason other than God himself moves upon them and says, I want you to do this. And they do it. I haven't figured out who it is. I have some ideas. Because not everyone, you know, like Greg Barnson is probably not going to take a uh, load of corn to the elevator and say, hey, I want to sell this. You know what I'm saying? By the way, for those of you who don't know, he's a lawyer. Okay? (laughs) But what a blessing it was to us and significant you know I mean it wasn't just a small check and it was so wonderful maybe you've been someplace you know you're having dinner uh, and maybe I, I, we've had this happen to and maybe this has happened to you I don't know but we were having dinner and we got done finished great meal and we we're getting ready to pay for it and they said well somebody over there you know on the other side of the room in the restaurant someplace pay, paid for your dinner you know so you don't know anything well, you know, what a grace. Isn't that right? Now, I'm just I'm using these natural examples, you know, to try to get your head wrapped around it. Because, because the thing about it is, is what Jesus did, I mean, these things, they, they just pale in comparison. There's no way really to compare the two. But I help you to understand the fact that he willingly took our place and gave his life for us. I'll give you another example. This will probably fit for a lot of you. How many of you have ever been pulled over for going too fast? Angie, got a little trouble there? Yeah. It's all right. I'm easily touched. One time I was going to Pizza King for a pizza, and I was so fixated on that pizza. You know, it's only nine miles, man. And I mean to tell you, they Pizza King has the best pizzas on the planet. Now, some people may argue, I don't care. I'm just telling you the truth. And I'm on my way, and I, I'm not really thinking about how fast I'm going. And all of a sudden, I meet, one of our deputy sheriffs. And I look down, and I am going in excess of 70 miles an hour. And so I looked in my rearview mirror. I see him hit his, his brakes. I just pulled over. I just, you know why? There's no use going on saying, well, maybe he'll just forget it. So I just pulled over. So, you know, he turns around, and he comes back, and uh, he comes up, and uh, he says, uh, um, well, this was his first statement to me. I, I, he rolls, I roll the window down. I got all my stuff, you know, and I'm ready to hand it to him and whatnot. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, man, I had my brain in another place. I know I was painfully over, you know, the speed limit, and here it is. And his first words to me is, I've never had something like this happen before. <laughs> in other words, nobody ever just pulls over right away. I said, well, officer, I'm telling you, man, I was guilty. I mean, I was just, you know, like I said, I wasn't, I didn't have my brain where it needed to be. That's all. I still ain't got that pizza. (laughs) Wow. But anyway, so he goes back to the car as they do and checks me all out and everything like that. Brings all my stuff back to me and says, "Um, maybe you could just kind of slow it down a little bit. Gives me all my stuff and lets me drive off. You ever had that happen before? It's kind of nice, isn't it? Did you deserve that? No. You're guilty. And yet, because of their kindness, you got off. So stop speeding, will you? Yeah, right. Hmm? Hallelujah. So like I said, when I talk about using these examples, the debt and the deficiency doesn't even begin to compare with what it is that Jesus did for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Really, there's nothing that you can, nothing would describe what it is that he did so that you could be here today and have his life. It's wonderful. That's why the Bible repeatedly tells us to be thankful. I'm not trying to suggest that life is not challenging and difficult because many times it is. But you have to understand that a lot of what's going on in the world today is not being authored by your Heavenly Father anyway. So two things happen. People either want to blame God or they say, well, if He is God, how come He doesn't do something about it? Well, the truth of the matter is, is He has done something about it. And He is not the one to be blaming. The fact of the matter is, He's on your side. Did you hear me? He's on your side. So don't mistake or misplace where the problem is coming from. Sometimes the things that we experience in life are self-imposed. <laughs> that always goes over good. Sometimes it's just an outright, uh, outright uh, attack of the devil. You know, wanting to try to steal, to kill, and destroy. Turn with me to Galatians chapter uh, 2. Galatians Chapter 2. How many of you glad you came today? We're talking about the goodness and the kindness of God. Galatians chapter 2. And again, we don't have time to, you know, preface all the things that are being said here in in this chapter where Paul is writing. But I want you to notice with me and, and think about what it is that he is about to say to us here in the 20th verse of the second chapter. Notice what he says. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by or because of the faith of the son of God. Now listen, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. There's two things I want to mention to you in this verse. And that is is that the reason that Paul made the statement I'm crucified with Christ is simply because if any man's in Christ, he becomes a new creation. In other words, to be born of the Spirit of God changes everything. It absolutely changes a person's entire life. And not only that, but with that new birth comes the empowerment to live a life that is not only honorable, but pleasing and victorious with him. Are you with me? In other words, he paid the price, but then he gave you what you needed to be able to live the way he would have you to live. Everybody say, I have it. Now listen, here's the thing. Think about what he says. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Now, now that's not maybe I am or I could be or I wish I, you know, I'm, I, is that really real? No, it's real. And you are, I mean, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you are crucified with Christ. In other words, when the Bible talks about you being buried with him in baptism, when Christ died, your old man died too. When I say old man, I'm talking about the old nature of sin. And the fact that it, I mean, that is so supernatural. It is incredibly awesome that God can take your nature and turn it from that of sin and death and give you his life. So he says, I am crucified with Christ. You, your old man, the one prior to, died with Jesus. Now it might want to crawl up out of the coffin once in a while, but I'm telling you, it's dead and new life has come, if you're a believer, okay? That's the qualification. So it says, he says, I am crucified with Christ. You are crucified with Christ. So what does that mean? That means that sin and death no longer can have a hold on you. Because you died with Jesus. When you're dead, dude, nothing nothing matters. And nothing can affect you. Huh? I mean, whatever it is, that may try to impose something on you. If you're a dead person, you don't care. Last time I checked, you know. So he says, I'm crucified. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not me, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by or because of my faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Everybody say it together. I am, I am crucified, crucified with, Christ. with Christ. Now, there's a lot of dynamic to all of that, but that's the important thing. Again, I mentioned to you, why don't you just turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's look at this uh, verse of Scripture together. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere, but I, what I want to do is I want us to think again anew and afresh about the realities of what it is that God has done for us because of His goodness and His kindness toward us. Are you with me? Because it'll help you. Hallelujah. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 17, Therefore, if <clears throat> any man Therefore, if any man, are you with me? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Talking about our old life, our old nature, everything that once dominated us because of, again, sin. Okay? Okay. Old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. Brand new slate. How many of you would say that that might be a good way to define goodness? Would that be a good way to define kindness? That someone could take and erase everything that served as a condemning sentence against you. And then not only that, bury that old life and give you his new life to live in a way that glorifies him. You got it. Because you, my friend, if you're a child of God, have been crucified. Glory to God. Just as he was. Now let's go on. I want to read this because what's so cool about this is the next statement in verse 18. Look at it. It says, And all things are of God. Now, a better translation of that would be to say it this way. And uh, <laughs> and that is, All this is from God who has reconciled all of us to Him. In other words, Again, you didn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't, and that's why people have a hard time, you know, when they're judging people, you know. You got, you got people that are just messed up. I mean, you talk about a hot mess. I mean, they're a, they're, they're, they're a piece of work. And, you know, heaven only knows how they got to where they are to behave the way that they do. But what ends up happening is, is a lot of times we look at it and we say, well, how can any person do that? Well, you know, if you, if you put their shoes on and wore them, how would you fare? You really don't know. That's why you're not the judge. And you'll have another person, you know, maybe uh, they're, they're not uh, inordinately evil or wicked or anything of that nature or whatever the case might be. But sin is still sin. And we all find ourselves to be guilty before God. Aren't you glad this morning, praise God, you don't have to judge anybody anymore? You don't have to. It's not your job. Huh? Like my wife says, when we talk about deals going on in the world in which we live, we just say, not my circus and not my monkeys. Come on. I'm, I'm not responsible to solve everybody else's problems. At one time, I thought I was, because I knew everything. I could fix your deal. Actually, I could still probably fix your deal, but that's not my job. He gives us his divine word or instruction and says, here it is. I watch over my word to perform it in your life. The Bible says that he sends his word and heals us. That is God's method to fix your mess. He will send his word to you. And then you can either receive it or not. For example, if you've got relational problems, the Bible tells us how we're to relate to one another. And he said, love as I have loved you. Okay, that's a simple kind of thing. But a lot of folk, they don't, they don't want to listen to that. They go, no, I ain't feeling that way at all. I want to extract whatever, my pound of flesh. But if you're going to live the winner's way, if you're going to have life and life more abundant, then you're going to have to do it his way. So that means turning the other cheek. That means praying for those that despitefully use you. It means, you know, all of the things that are described in the Scriptures that are consistent with the nature and the love of God. Aren't you glad that God didn't turn His back on you? How often, Jesus, do I need to forgive my, my brethren? You know, I mean, like, seven times? Is that good? He says, why don't you just quit counting and just forgive them, period. Take your seven, multiply it times 70, and get happy. Well, I don't much feel like that. I don't want to do that. Well, just remember, there's a compensation that awaits you if you don't. He said, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Yeah, but you know, I just can't. You know, and you, you have no idea what it is that they've done to me. Did you, do you know what they did to Jesus? Huh? Don't tell me you can't. The truth of the matter is you don't want to. Thanks for your great burst of enthusiasm. But see, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And really, you do want to forgive them. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You've been crucified with Christ. So you're living on a completely different level and plane. if we can just get this changed in terms of the way it thinks. Because you can't lose when you do it his way. Are you with me? Some people would say that you're deferring to someone else that maybe mocks you or takes advantage of you or does whatever it is that they do in a a, a demeaning kind of way, that, that when you turn the other cheek or you just simply disregard it, that it is a weakness in your character. But the truth of the matter is, is that when you do that, it's actually a strength. But that's not the way that the world thinks. Huh? Now, we all can relate to that. All of us. I'll get even with them. Huh? Now, I know none of you have ever had that thought before, but just go with me on this. Let's talk about the person sitting next to you because then that way it doesn't affect you. Huh? But you never win when you decide that you are the one that is going to take things into your own hands. Am I in the right house? Praise God. So he says here in verse 18, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. You know, men, unfortunately, when I say man, I'm talking about mankind, you know, generically everyone. They they can't fix nothing. You can't fix nothing. Why? Because you're broken by sin. In other words, you know, when God made this covenant with Abraham, even that whole deal was a little sketch. I mean, he had to put the guy to sleep so he wouldn't screw things up while he was making the covenant with him. Are you with me? I don't have time to get into that. but you know, And then what it did is it opened the door for him to be able to get his seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the earth so that God and Jesus could make this whole thing happen, which you and I, if we were involved in any way, shape, or form, we would have messed it up. But thank God they did it. When I say they, I'm talking about the Trinity. And opened up this door so that you and I could be crucified with him and live his life. Glory to God forevermore. So it's all because of him. All of this is from God who has reconciled us unto himself. I mean, he did it. You didn't have nothing to do with it. Aren't you glad? It's better that way, trust me. Notice what it goes on to say and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now let's let's drop down then to verse 21 for the sake of time. For he, God has made him Jesus to be sin for us. He God has made him Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin so that you and I may be made the righteousness of God. What's the last two words? Say it again. Say it one more time. In Him. Your righteousness is like filthy rags, Paul said. There's none righteous, no, not one. You and I, we got nothing, but we got Him. Are you with me? And so cool because you know, whatever God does, He does perfectly. He does it absolutely right. So, when Jesus shed His blood on that cross, His blood covered and cleansed and washed away all of our sins. The stuff they did in the Old Testament just covered stuff up. But when Jesus' blood was shed, it washed it away. So, thank God I'm a new creation. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. Say, all old things have passed away. All things are become new. Glory to God. You ought to see yourself that way. it probably help you. Glory to God. So you and I basically had nothing to do with what Christ made possible, and it was all God's doing. Glory to God. Except, again, for you, you know, recognizing it and receiving it. You know, I was a 19-year-old kid. I knew I needed Jesus, but I was you know, fighting it, because I thought that if I did that, then I wouldn't be able to do all of the fun things that the rest of the world was doing. The devil's such a liar. There is no truth in him. And he will tell people anything and everything he can to keep them from coming to a place of decision in Christ Jesus. That's what he did to me. Until finally, it was so irrefutable, the evidence of my need for a Savior, that it was so undeniable within my heart that there was nothing. I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't, you know, shuck and jive and make excuses or accuse or do anything. I was just there, and I had to make a decision about what I was going to do with what Jesus did for me. And I was either going to accept and receive it, or I was going to reject it and go on in my messed up life of being lost and without God and hope in the world. Thank God I had sense enough. Everybody say amen. amen. I had sense enough to give him my heart, my mind, my soul, my everything. Best, smartest, smartest. Whatever, however you want to describe a decision I ever made in my life. Because I didn't care. Now, the cool thing about it is that when I gave my heart to him, he made himself real to me. So real. And the reality of Christ's indwelling presence in my life held me so powerfully that I could not deny him. And that I had to find out more so that I could live for him. And that's what happened. That's what happened in all of our lives, right? Huh? I mean, if you want to be a follower. He said, he said this. He said to the Jews that believed on him, if you'll continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. God is progressively leading us as his children into the truth so that that truth can release us and set us free. If you're a person that was bound by substance abuse or alcohol or, you know, some, some type of uh, uh, controlled substance or whatever the case might be, the Bible says Jesus came to set you free from that addiction. Now, a lot of times people say, well, I can't get free from it. No, Jesus is, all, and I know you, you may have a hard time getting your head wrapped around it. Jesus has already delivered you. You just haven't figured it out yet. Are you with me? Yes, it's it's real, Uh, it it, it has power, but the power has been broken. You just need to realize that you're no longer under the thumb of whatever it is that once controlled you. Now, some, you know, uh, rehab type situations and things, you know, they'll say that, you know, you'll always be this way. I don't believe that. I believe that when Jesus redeems, praise God, he does a good job and takes all care of it. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Same thing, you know, I mean a lot of people they they grow up in poverty and lack. You know, they didn't have anything. You know, they're just kind of going through life and and all of a sudden they start reading the Bible and says, "You know what? You've been redeemed from the curse of poverty." You know, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And and, and a lot of folk don't know that. They don't realize that God wants them to be blessed. He's not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you. God will change your life. He'll change your world if you'll walk with him. It does take commitment. It does take being faithful. Huh? If you're going to be in and out and up and down, round about and, you know, whatever, forget it. But I tell you what, you give your life to him, it'll change it forever. You know, uh, I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but Greg, can I share that testimony you have of your going to the canyon this last week? Sure. I want to talk to you about this couple. Not to elevate them, but it's an example, and it'll help you if you'll listen to what it is. Not so much to look at them, but here's proof of what living for God all of your life can do. Greg grew up in a home, uh, f- I-, I guess you wouldn't say fatherless, but you didn't have a relationship with your father to speak of, did you? Right. Did you hear that? He didn't abandon them, but he didn't have anything to do with him. He was 12 years old when his father uh, divorced his mother. So you have a 12-year-old boy. You know, that can leave an impression on you. I said that can leave an impression on you. And and so I, I remember from his testimony, because when he and, and Pam started attending our church way back in the uh, gosh, early 80s, you know, He'd sit on the front row, just like he does every Wednesday night and Sunday morning right now, taking notes. I mean, this guy must have a pile of notes. I mean, I don't know where they're all at, but but here's the thing: he made a decision that what he had experienced as a twelve-year-old boy would not happen to him. And he and his wife gave birth to three children: two boys and a daughter. And this last weekend, those two boys and a son-in-law took him out to uh, Arizona, and they had a, basically a, a short week together. And each morning they had a devotion. And each morning one of these sons was responsible for the devotion, and they each talked about this man and the influence that he had had in their life and how it had shaped them for who they were today. Now you talk about legacy. Amen. Huh? I'm telling you. And and the thing about it is is it didn't happen because Greg and Pam Barnston showed up once in a while or I mean for what? 30 years probably. He was over in the children's church without fail helping to teach children. You say, "Well, I'm I'm not I'm not that kind of guy." Well, you could be. Why couldn't you be? It's it's what we value. And this family was dear to him, and he did everything that he could to put something in them so that today, on this last week, each one of them would honor him for what he did. Can that happen to you? Absolutely it can. You say, well, I'm a little bit late. Well, then do what you can now. Do what you can now. Do what you can now. Woo! How many of you are still glad you came to church? Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Praise God. His kindness. His goodness. Because here's the thing, you know, I'll go back to this. But, you know, he could have got bitter, but instead he got better. Well, really, the big deal was Jesus. Okay, I mean, at the end of the day, who knows where his life would have went without him. But he started to, you know, yielded himself so that God could be in, begin to reshape and reform. And, and if I'm not correct, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, in the latter days, did you have some, you know, kind of a reconciliation with your dad or no? <clears throat> we always had kind of a contact. Right. Connected, Right, yeah. But there again, all of that could have ruined his life. But he didn't let it. And you don't have to let it. Some of you, maybe you had a similar experience or something maybe that's happened in your life. You don't have to let it ruin your life. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's where you draw a line in the sand and say, no. I'm not going to do this. Are you with me? Because God loves you. Turn to Romans chapter 8, and we'll try to bring this to a close this morning. Bless you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Everybody say it again with me. I am. Crucified with Christ, Christ. yet not I, I, but Christ lives in me. me. The life I now live, I live live by faith faith in the Son of God, God, who loved me me and gave himself for me. me. He gave himself for you. So you and I are not going to let that go to waste. Are you with me? If he did this for us, then praise God, we're going to honor him. Are you with me? You say, well, what do you mean? I mean honor him with your life. Honor him with who you are. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He wasn't ashamed of you. Huh? And he had every reason, for a lot of us especially, to be ashamed. But he wasn't. Now look at this verse of Scripture with me as we come to a close here this morning. Notice in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This is powerful, man. This doesn't set you free. Um, we're going to have to take you to Doozies and feed you a hamburger and see if we can help you. Have any of you ever been to Doozies? How many of you have never been to Doozies? How many of you, never, you don't even know anything about Doozies? <laughs> see what I'm saying? You know, stuff you don't know that's available to you that you could be enjoying. Well,. You know, they're going to, I hope I get a kickback on this. (laughs) But this little joint's down in Manawa. You know, if you turn at Tractor Supply, if you're familiar with Council Blush, you go down there about a block, and there's this little hole in the wall. And they have burgers that will set you free. (laughs) And they have ice cream, the likes of which no man has. Well, your palate, no matter how discriminating it might be, has never witnessed this. Now, you'll probably be in a sugar coma shortly after you take the ice cream deal. That's like my wife, man. She can eat that stuff like no problem. I mean, after about, I mean, actually just one scoop, you know, that's enough. But for some, you know, sugar hounds, sky's the limit. Are you, you're, I can tell there's a witness there. Isn't that right, Mary? Him? Him? Oh. oh wow. Have you been to Ducies? I don't even know how to spell it. I don't know i have never heard of it. <laughs> All right, well the Bible says let him that's ignorant be ignorant still. Well you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Are you Googling it now? Put your <laughs> All right, let's read this last verse. I I um let me before we read this. Um, I want to admonish you. We are living in the last days. I mean, you hear that all the time. But we're living, we are living in the last days. And Jesus is coming. He said, behold, I come quickly. Well, quick in our minds versus eternity are two different things. But I think even in our time continuum, he's so close. And I want to admonish you to adjust. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean, you know, that uh, anything like that. But, But there is an opportunity here for us to be about His business before He comes. And I want to challenge you to do that. You say, well, what's that look like? That just means that you're conscious and mindful of His kingdom and what it is He would have you to be doing. Because here's the thing, you guys. You could spend your life um, trying to accumulate assets and you know, do all this and that and the other, and you're not taking it with you. It doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that you just abandon you know, responsibility or things of that nature, but we, I think we need to ask ourselves, why are we doing all this? Are you with me? Now that may not, have, it may not have application for every person that's here, but it may have for some of you. And I want to encourage you to think about it. Because God has gifted you He's given you abilities to lead, uh, to influence, to uh, serve, to, you know, whatever it might be. But if we are all taken up with all these other things, then then you're out of the game. Okay, it's not right or wrong, you know. It's, it's not about you know a condemnation uh, trip here or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about there's a divine destiny on your life, and God placed something in you that He wants to use to not only glorify Him, but to bless the world with. So we, we pursue, you know, Lord, what is it you would have me to do? I encourage you, and I admonish you to think about that and do it. Okay, you ready for Romans chapter 8? Look at this verse with me. There is therefore now... No condemnation for those or to them which are in Christ Jesus. Let's read that one more time. There is therefore now no condemnation or condemning sentence. Hallelujah. To them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for or because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, everybody say I'm free, free. from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned it in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Glory to God forevermore. Why is, that, why is it I'm sharing with you this? Because Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, a lot of folk live under condemnation and guilt where their lives are con- concerned. Are you with me? And yet the Bible says that there is no more any condemnation toward you as a believer. You say, yes, but I've failed. Yes, the, I've missed it. I've, I've done wrong or whatever. Well, you know, the Bible says that his blood is sufficient. That if we confess what we've done wrong, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is power in the blood yeah. to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the thing of it is, is that until we come to understand what the Bible has to say, that condemnation can hold us captive. It can keep us from moving forward. Yes, it's to be regretted what happened or whatever it is that we did or didn't do or, you know, whatever. But there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So we, we, we recognize that and we stand in one place and we say we're moving forward from here and we're not entertaining whatever it is that went on in the past because you can't change it. Are you with me? There's incredible things He's done for us. We could, we could sit here and talk all day about the amazing things that God has done for us in our lives. But it's all because of his goodness, and it's all because of his kindness. He washed us and saved us. Please be, um, what should I say? Um, long, forbearing—that's the better word. Please be forbearing to the people that are around you that are unlovely. It's not easy. Because the thing is, is that right now the devil is ramping up hate uh, on a exponential rate. But I tell you what, it's the goodness of God and the love of God that brought you and I and led us to repentance. And if they can see that same kind of love and goodness in you, I tell you what, you can break the cycle of hatred. You can be an instrument that God uses to lead them into the kingdom of heaven. Listen, don't stick your head in the sand. Don't go crawl in a hole now. Well, you know, I'm just waiting until Jesus comes, man. I mean, you know, I got fire insurance. I'm locking the door. I'm a prepper, baby. Come, Jesus quickly. It's not what he asked you to do. I said that's not what he asked you to do. I'm glad Stephen didn't go hide in a hole someplace when he got up there and preached to them people and the Spirit of God was on him. Well, they took his life. cost him his life. You ever think about the fact that you're sitting in a room of people where it may cost somebody their life because they're a believer? We, that concept is so far removed from, from we as a society and as a people in a culture that I, I, I don't know if we can get our head wrapped around it. But you know what? it happen. You say, well, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, you do. You know why? Number one, you're going to heaven. Huh? Number two, you'll honor Him. Number three, there's a reward for martyrs. Huh? Are you with me? I remember the late Lester Summerall, he he kept saying, he says, I'm looking for somebody to take my life. You know? (laughs) You had to know him. But anyway, he says, that way, he says, he says, I'll have a greater reward. He says, and while we're in heaven, then you can, you know, shine my golden boots. <laughs> now, whether or not you get golden boots when you get to heaven, I don't know. And I don't know that any of us are going to be shining one another's shoes. It's an honor to know him. And it is an honor to serve him. His kindness has been extended to you. The likes of which, like I said, I don't know that we often comprehend. But he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our commitment. He's worthy of our faithfulness. He's worthy of our service. He's worthy of our engagement. He is worthy of what it is that we as a church, as a community, as a family, do to advance the kingdom of God. He's worthy. And every one of you have a voice. Every one of you have a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You know? You may not be out, you know, working miracles and doing all that, but I tell you what, praise God, there's something He did as a miracle in you that you can share with everybody else. So I want to encourage you. And let's pray together. And let's ask God to help us. Amen. We're not doing this in our own strength anyway. But let's ask the Lord to to, to move us into a position where when opportunity comes, you know, I'm not talking about being preachy. I'm talking about living your life in a way where people say, what's different about you? What makes you tick? You know, you're not all wrought up. You're not all stirred up about this, that, and the other. You live differently. What's that all about? And then you can tell them. Praise God. Let's everybody stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Would you pray with me, church? Praise God. Father, we love you today. And we're so grateful, Father, for what it is that you've done for us. That your kindness and your goodness has been extended and shown toward us, Father, even when we didn't deserve it. That's the whole gospel story. That Jesus came when we didn't deserve it and loved us anyway and gave his life for us. Father, I pray for the church. I pray for those that are watching by internet. I pray, Father, for those that couldn't be here today, though they, they, they are a part of this church. We pray together, Father God, that in these last days, that you'll use us as your instruments to let the rest of the world know that there truly is a God in heaven and that he loves us with an everlasting love and that he gave his life so that we could live. And that you've empowered us, Father, by the indwelling presence of your spirit to be able to live out our lives in a powerful kind of way. God, I come against the spirit of lying in Jesus' name. The lies that have been said and told to people in this church. Father God, I thank you for exposing them with the truth. And, Father, things that abound people in their own lives and cause them, Father God, to think that they can't be set free. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over those lies. And, Father, I thank you for the truth exploding on the inside of them to set them free in Jesus' name. God, we come against the God of this world that makes his attempts to deceive and cause us, Father, to stumble. And Father God, I thank you for helping us to never be ignorant of his devices, but to walk in the light of your holy word. And we thank you, Father God, for your mercy and goodness. Father, as we prepare ourselves for this table that we call communion or the Lord's Supper, Father, we thank you for what it represents because in it, represents all of redemption that jesus provided for us and you said father that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup that we demonstrate and declare the lord's death until he comes again and so father god we thank you for all that was done in the death burial and resurrection of jesus and what it is that it's provided for us thank you lord for your blessing in this house today in jesus name and everybody said amen Praise God. You may be seated.